the martyrs of palestine part one from eusebius church history this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by David Leeson Church History by Eusebius of Caesarea Translated by Arthur Cushman McGifford The Martyrs of Palestine, Part 1 Introduction through Chapter 5 The following also we found in a certain copy in the eighth book. It was in the nineteenth year of the reign of Diocletian, in the month Xanthicus, which is called April by the Romans, about the time of the feast of our Saviour's Passion, while Flavianus was governor of the province of Palestine, that letters were published everywhere, commanding that the churches be leveled to the ground, and the scriptures be destroyed by fire, and ordering that those who held places of honour be degraded, and that the household servants, if they persisted in the profession of Christianity, be deprived of freedom. Such was the force of the first edict against us. But not long after other letters were issued, commanding that all the bishops of the churches everywhere be first thrown into prison, and afterward, by every artifice, be compelled to sacrifice. CHAPTER One. The first of the martyrs of Palestine was Procopius, who, before he had received the trial of imprisonment, immediately on his first appearance before the governor's tribunal, having been ordered to sacrifice to the so-called gods, declared that he knew only one to whom it was proper to sacrifice, as he himself wills. But when he was commanded to offer libations to the four emperors, having quoted a sentence which displeased them, he was immediately beheaded. The quotation was from the poet, The rule of many is not good, let there be one ruler and one king. It was the seventh day of the month Decius, the seventh before the Ides of June, as the Romans reckon, and the fourth day of the week, when this first example was given at Caesarea in Palestine. Afterwards, in the same city, many rulers of the country churches readily endured terrible sufferings, and furnished to the beholders an example of noble conflicts. But others, benumbed in spirit by terror, were easily weakened at the first onset. Of the rest, each one endured different forms of torture, as scourgings without number, and rackings, and tearings of their sides, and insupportable fetters, by which the hands of some were dislocated. Yet they endured what came upon them, as in accordance with the inscrutable purposes of God. For the hands of one were seized, and he was led to the altar, while they thrust into his right hand the polluted and abominable offering, and he was dismissed as if he had sacrificed. Another had not even touched it, yet when others said that he had sacrificed, he went away in silence. Another, being taken up half dead, was cast aside as if already dead, and released from his bonds, and counted among the sacrificers. When another cried out, and testified that he would not obey, he was struck in the mouth, and silenced by a large band of those who were drawn up for this purpose, and driven away by force, even though he had not sacrificed. Of such consequence did they consider it, to seem by any means to have accomplished their purpose. Therefore, of all this number, the only ones who were honored with the crown of the holy martyrs were Alpheus and Zacchaeus. 
after stripes and scrapings and severe bonds and additional tortures and various other trials, and after having their feet stretched for a night and day over four holes in the stocks, on the seventeenth day of the month Dias, that is, according to the Romans, the fifteenth before the calends of December, having confessed one only God and Christ Jesus as King, as if they had uttered some blasphemy, they were beheaded like the former martyr. Chapter 2 What occurred to Romanus on the same day at Antioch is also worthy of record. For he was a native of Palestine, a deacon and exorcist in the parish of Caesarea, and being present at the destruction of the churches, he beheld many men, with women and children, going up in crowds to the idols and sacrificing. But through his great zeal for religion, he could not endure the sight, and rebuked them with a loud voice. Being arrested for his boldness, he proved a most noble witness of the truth, if there ever was one. For when the judge informed him that he was to die by fire, he received the sentence with cheerful countenance and most ready mind, and was led away. When he was bound to the stake, and the wood piled up around him, as they were awaiting the arrival of the emperor before lighting the fire, he cried, Where is the fire for me? Having said this, he was summoned again before the emperor, and subjected to the unusual torture of having his tongue cut out. But he endured this with fortitude, and showed to all by his deeds that the divine power is present with those who endure any hardship whatever for the sake of religion, lightening their sufferings and strengthening their zeal. When he learned of this strange mode of punishment, the nobleman was not terrified, but put out his tongue readily, and offered it with the greatest alacrity to those who cut it off. After this punishment he was thrown into prison, and suffered there for a very long time. At last the twentieth anniversary of the emperor being near, when, according to an established gracious custom, liberty was proclaimed everywhere to all who were in bonds, he alone had both his feet stretched over five holes in the stocks, and while he lay there was strangled, and was thus honored with martyrdom as he desired. Although he was outside of his country, yet, as he was a native of Palestine, it is proper to count him among the Palestinian martyrs. These things occurred in this manner during the first year, when the persecution was directed only against the rulers of the church. Chapter 3 In the course of the second year, the persecution against us increased greatly, and at that time Urbanus, being governor of the province, imperial edicts were first issued to him, commanding by a general decree that all the people should sacrifice at once in the different cities, and offer libations to the idols. In Gaza, a city of Palestine, Timotheus endured countless tortures, and afterwards was subjected to a slow and moderate fire, having given, by his patience in all his sufferings, most genuine evidence of sincerest piety toward the deity, he bore away the crown of the victorious athletes of religion. At the same time Agapius and our contemporary Thecla, having exhibited most noble constancy, were condemned as food for the wild beasts. But who that beheld these things would not have admired, or if they heard of them by report, would not have been astonished? 
for when the heathen everywhere were holding a festival and the customary shows it was noised abroad that besides the other entertainments the public combat of those who had lately been condemned to wild beasts would also take place as this report increased and spread in all directions six young men namely timolaus a native of pontus dionysius from tripolis in phoenicia romulus a subdeacon of the parish of diospolis pisus and alexander both egyptians and another alexander from gaza having first bound their own hands went in haste to urbanus who was about to open the exhibition evidencing great zeal for martyrdom they confessed that they were christians and by their ambition for all terrible things showed that those who glory in the religion of the god of the universe do not cower before the attacks of wild beasts immediately after creating no ordinary astonishment in the governor and those who were with him they were cast into prison after a few days two others were added to them one of them named agapius had in former confessions endured dreadful torments of various kinds the other who had supplied them with the necessaries of life was called dionysius all of these eight were beheaded on one day at caesarea on the twenty-fourth day of the month distress which is the ninth before the calends of april meanwhile a change in the emperors occurred and the first of them all in dignity and the second retired into private life and public affairs began to be troubled shortly after the roman government became divided against itself and a cruel war arose among them and this division when the troubles which grew out of it was not settled until peace toward us had been established throughout the entire roman empire for when this peace arose for all as the daylight after the darkest and most gloomy night the public affairs of the roman government were re-established and became happy and peaceful and the ancestral goodwill toward each other was revived but we will relate these things more fully at the proper time now let us return to the regular course of events chapter four maximinus caesar having come at this time into the government as if to manifest to all the evidences of his reborn enmity against god and of his impiety armed himself for persecution against us more vigorously than his predecessors in consequence no little confusion arose among all and they scattered here and there endeavoring in some way to escape the danger and there was great commotion everywhere but what words would suffice for a suitable description of the divine love and boldness in confessing god of the blessed and truly innocent lamb i refer to the martyr apphianus who presented in the sight of all before the gates of caesarea a wonderful example of piety toward the only god he was at that time not twenty years old he had first spent a long time at Berytus, for the sake of a secular Grecian education, as he belonged to a very wealthy family. It is wonderful to relate how, in such a city, he was superior to youthful passions, and clung to virtue, uncorrupted neither by his bodily vigor nor his young companions, living discreetly, soberly, and piously, in accordance with his profession of the Christian doctrine and the life of his teachers if it is needful to mention his native country and give honor to it as producing this noble athlete of piety we will do so with pleasure the young man came from pagi 
if any one is acquainted with the place, a city in Lycia of no mean importance. After his return from his course of study in Berytus, though his father held the first place in his country, he could not bear to live with him and his relatives, as it did not please them to live according to the rules of religion. Therefore, as if he were led by the divine spirit, and in accordance with a natural, or rather uninspired and true philosophy, regarding this preferable to what is considered the glory of life, and despising bodily comforts, he secretly left his family. And because of his faith and hope in God, paying no attention to his daily needs, he was led by the divine spirit to the city of Caesarea, where was prepared for him the crown of martyrdom for piety. Abiding with us there, and conferring with us in the divine scriptures diligently for a short time, and fitting himself zealously by suitable exercises, he exhibited such an end as would astonish any one should it be seen again. Who that hears of it would not justly admire his courage, boldness, constancy, and even more than these the daring deed itself, which evidenced a zeal for religion and a spirit truly superhuman? For in the second attack upon us under Maximinus, in the third year of the persecution, edicts of the tyrant were issued for the first time, commanding that the rulers of the cities should diligently and speedily see to it that the people offered sacrifices. Throughout the city of Caesarea, by command of the governor, the heralds were summoning men, women, and children to the temples of the idols. And besides this, the Kiliarchs were calling out each one by name from a roll, and an immense crowd of the wicked were rushing together from all quarters. Then this youth fearlessly, while no one was aware of his intentions, eluded both us who lived in the house with him and the whole band of soldiers that surrounded the governor, and rushed up to Urbanus as he was offering libations, and fearlessly seizing him by the right hand, straightway put a stop to his sacrificing, and skillfully and persuasively, with a certain divine inspiration, exhorted him to abandon his delusion, because it was not well to forsake the one and only true God, and sacrifice to idols and demons. It is probable that this was done by the youth through a divine power which led him forward, and which all but cried aloud in his act that Christians, who were truly such, were so far from abandoning the religion of the God of the universe which they had once espoused, that they were not only superior to threats and the punishments which followed, but yet bolder to speak with noble and untrammeled tongue, and, if possible, to summon even their persecutors to turn from their ignorance and acknowledge the only true God. Thereupon, he of whom we are speaking, and that instantly, as might have been expected after so bold a deed, was torn by the governor and those who were with him as if by wild beasts, and having endured manfully innumerable blows over his entire body, he was straightway cast into prison. There he was stretched by the tormentor with both his feet in the stocks for a night and a day, and the next day he was brought before the judge. As they endeavored to force him to surrender, he exhibited all constancy under suffering and terrible tortures. His sides were torn, not once or twice, but many times, to the bones and the very bowels, and he received so many blows on his face and neck that those who for a long time had been well acquainted with him could not recognize his swollen face. But as he would not yield under this treatment, the torturers, as commanded, covered his feet with linen cloths soaked in oil and set them on fire, 
no word can describe the agonies which the blessed one endured from this for the fire consumed his flesh and penetrated to his bones so that the humours of his body were melted and oozed out and dropped down like wax but as he was not subdued by this his adversaries being defeated and unable to comprehend his superhuman constancy cast him again into prison a third time he was brought before the judge, and having witnessed the same profession, being half dead, he was finally thrown into the depths of the sea. But what happened immediately after this will scarcely be believed by those who did not see it. Although we realize this, yet we must record the event, of which to speak plainly, all the inhabitants of Caesarea were witnesses. For truly there was no age but beheld this marvelous sight. For as soon as they had cast this truly sacred and thrice-blessed youth into the fathomless depths of the sea, an uncommon commotion and disturbance agitated the sea and all the shore about it, so that the land and the entire city were shaken by it. And at the same time, with this wonderful and sudden perturbation, the sea threw out before the gates of the city the body of the divine martyr, as if unable to endure it. Such was the death of the wonderful Apphianus. It occurred on the second day of the month Xanthicus, which is the fourth day before the Nones of April, on the day of preparation. Chapter 5 About the same time, in the city of Tyre, a youth named Ulpianus, after dreadful tortures and most severe scourgings, was enclosed in a raw ox-hide, with a dog and one of those poisonous reptiles, an asp, and cast into the sea wherefore i think that we may properly mention him in connection with the martyrdom of apphianus shortly afterwards edesius a brother of apphianus not only in god but also in the flesh being a son of the same earthly father endured sufferings like his after very many confessions and protracted tortures in bonds and after he had been sentenced by the governor to the mines in palestine he conducted himself through them all in a truly philosophic manner, for he was more highly educated than his brother, and had prosecuted philosophic studies. Finally, in the city of Alexandria, when he beheld the judge, who was trying the Christians, offending beyond all bounds, now insulting holy men in various ways, and again consigning women of greatest modesty and even religious virgins to procurers for shameful treatment, he acted like his brother, for as these things seemed insufferable, he went forward with bold resolve, and with his words and deeds overwhelmed the judge with shame and disgrace. After suffering in consequence many forms of torture, he endured a death similar to his brother's, being cast into the sea. But these things, as I have said, happened to him in this way a little later. End of the Martyrs of Palestine, Part 1